Blog Talk Radio. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Trekkies and Trekkers, welcome to Trek Talking 2. You may have noticed that we played the theme song for Star Trek, the animated series, rather than our incredibly cheerful and awesome theme song, We Didn't Start the Series, that Eric put together for us. And that's because tonight we're going to show Star Trek, the animated series, a little bit of love. Last week, we spread the love around the Enterprise, and this week we're going to sprinkle a little bit of love on Star Trek, the animated series. In particular an episode which I think is phenomenal, Yesteryear. And we're going we're gonna to dive right in and talk about that, so don't go away. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433 if you're listening live. If not, that's fine, too. And before we get too far, I want to introduce my co-hosts for this podcast, which basically is the same cast of characters we always have, minus one. So uh, this week, I'm... I'm outnumbered by the Portland crew. I'm up here in Vermont, and they've taken over the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be uh, – I sent my Tauntauns out there. It's time now, Todd. That's right. The podcast is no longer at 7.30 Eastern. The no more of your East Coast shenanigans. 4.30 Pacific. <laughs> That's right. We're, we're going to do so polish up at now. <laughs> So we'll, we'll start off with my normal, normal everyday co-host, and of course I'm talking about none other than the awesome Eric. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Eric. Thank you very much, Jim. It is good to be here, and it is good to have uh, my two brethren uh, in the same city here on the podcast talking about uh, my absolute favorite episode of the animated series, which is, as we have said on the podcast many times, highly underrated. Uh, definitely recommend the whole series, but this episode in particular, this is going to be fun tonight. Absolutely. And we also have hailing from the Portland area as well. Very own David. How you doing tonight, David? Doing it very well. It's actually really nice out. It's sunny and it's like kind of rainy at the same time, but you know, got that light rain. It's rainbow weather. We'll take it. We'll take it over <laughs> snow, sleet, and freezing rain in a heartbeat. And, of course, you guys know him as the wine guy, another Portland crew, and we're talking about none other than the awesome Paul. How you doing tonight, Paul? I'm good, Uncle Jim. Thank you for thawing me out of suspended animation for yet another exciting interaction with the, the radio waves here. I really have to echo what Eric said, though. Incredibly underrated uh, part of the franchise universe for Star Trek, the animated series. I'm super excited to talk about it. Uh, it's got a lot of things that folks uh, who've never watched it before will be really surprised by. And I want to point out to everybody that you can find the animated series on Paramount+. Plus. You can find every Star Trek except for Star Trek Beyond, I think, yeah, on Paramount+. The- Plus. That's right. That's the latest one that they haven't had. But maybe Everything one day, else, Jim, we're getting close. You can find on Paramount+. Plus, So that's cool. So before we get started, though, I have to share with you guys the most awesome thing that happened to me. Besides, at lunchtime, I found a copy of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan on vinyl at my local record store. That was awesome. But besides that, um, I went up with, with my wife, Karen, up to the Vermont Sci-Fi and Fantasy Expo up at the Champlain Valley Fairgrounds up here in Vermont. And I got to tell you guys, 
oh, my God, it was just incredible to be out in public, like face-to-face with fans. I mean, I don't know when the last time, probably three years ago or so, um, that I was waving my batlets around and people were lining up to touch it. And and it's been a while since people touched it, but um, it was just incredible. It was so much fun. I, I was an ambassador of Star Trek. Um, I was surrounded by Star Wars people. If you guys saw any of the pictures I posted on Facebook, um, there were Jawas, there were Tusken Raiders, R2-D2 was there, Dengar was there, Boba Fett, a bunch of stormtroopers, uh, just star, you know, Imperial officers galore, and a Klingon. But I could have taken them all on, I want to. I could have taken out Vader himself because you know, <laughs> they're from that other fr- the other franchise. Um, but it was great. And I got an opportunity to be an ambassador of Star Trek, which is always awesome. When I put on the uniform, it just changes you. And uh, so I wore my Federation uniform instead of my Klingon uniform this time. And it was so much fun. And I tell you, I want to tell you what some of the fans I talked to face to face, I was promoting this podcast and handing out business cards left and right and right and left and up and down and all around and talking to every single fan that I could. And I will start off with, I did get a few of the Star Trek should be free. I refuse to pay for it, people. So let's get them out of the way. And uh, I did get a few. The only real Star Trek is TOS. I don't bother with anything after that. Get them out of the way. Other than that, the consensus that I was getting from the majority of the fans, first of all, was everybody is super, super stoked for Strange New Worlds. I think this is going to be like like an incredible runaway uh, train for Strange New Worlds. There wasn't a single person that I talked to that wasn't waiting with bated breath for Strange New Worlds. That's really good news. Um, other than the first two groups I talked about. So that was cool. Um, the, the fans that I talked to were all really into Star Trek Picard, and they were watching it every week. I did... You know, we talked to some of them about, you know, what they thought about it. Uh, they were all watching it, which is cool. Some liked it, some didn't, but that's cool um, as, we, as long as they're watching it. We talked a little bit about Discovery, and uh, I found out that most people, the ones that I talked to up here in Vermont, really, really like Saru. He's like the man on Discovery. And there was a few people that really fell for grudge, and I can relate to that as well. So um, I talked to a lot of people about a lot of different things, all Star Trek, and um, it was great. So I got to tell you guys, it was a blast and a half to be able to talk Star Trek with real people. So next year, I'm really looking forward to it. A lot of fun. I even talked Star Trek with the Star Wars, believe it or not. So that was great. (laughs) So that's my report on the Vermont sci-fi and fantasy expo and we're definitely going to be back next year and we'll have a bigger and better booth and i think i will do a live broadcast from there next year (laughs) i wasn't sure if they would have an internet signal or if i would have electricity but we had it all i was expecting a table and i got a 10 foot by 10 foot booth which was with an outlet right behind me an internet hookup right behind me i could have done a whole live broadcast uh, if i had known but it was the first time I apologize for that. But fans are really stoked about Star Trek. It's as popular now as it ever was. And uh, even even the, the ones that refuse, like, like Star Trek should be free, and I try to explain to these people, well, how much is your cable bill? Okay, you're still paying for Star Trek. Either way, at least this way, you can pay for what you want and not for 97 other channels that you don't care for. So um, I was I was pushing Paramount Plus as well, and it was so much fun. I got to tell you. So, without any further ado, guys, that's my spiel on the Vermont Sci-Fi Fantasy Expo. Head over to our Facebook page, and you can check out some of the pictures that Karen took while we were there. So please do that. Our phone number here is six four six 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 eight two four three three. We will be live with you for the next hour. We're going to be talking about yesteryear, which was uh, episode two of the animated series. And in case you have not seen it, here's the promotional trailer 
before yesteryear. Captain's Log, Supplemental. When we were in the time vortex, something appears to have changed the present as we know it. No one aboard recognizes Mr. Spock. Who's he, Jim? I don't know what's going on, but the first officer of this ship will be treated with respect. Captain, I assure you, no one has ever treated me otherwise. Who are you? Well, I thought sure you'd know Thalen by now, Jim. He's been your first officer for five years. The wife was killed in a shuttle accident at Lunaport on her way home to Earth. Ambassador Sarek has not remarried. The son. What was his name and age when he died? Spock. Age seven. I wish to visit the planet Vulcan. Thirty Vulcan years past. All right, guys. So that was the trailer for the animated series. I hear the Vulcan music, that 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 funky uh, TAS music that they used in every single episode, which is great. They got that that blocky kind of movement when they, you know, were moving around and just their lips moved and nothing else makes it all the much better. So listen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to dive right into Star Trek, the animated series, Yesteryear. Don't touch that dial. Trek talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. And there's a couple of notes I want to share with you guys about yesteryear. As I already said, it was the second episode of the first season, so we know that. And this particular show, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but (laughs) way back in the day on Saturday morning, Paul, what made Saturday morning so exciting for kids back in the day? Well, first of all, you had limitless three to four bowls of highly, highly sugary cereal. Then you'd have cartoons, baby, Saturday morning cartoons, more than you could possibly inhale. Absolutely. We're talking the era of Johnny Quest, okay? Yes, Johnny Quest and Scooby-Doo and all all that that stuff, man. And Star Trek, the animated series. And uh, that's where I watched it on Saturday morning. It was part of the Saturday morning lineup. And this particular episode aired on September 15th, 1973. Yeah. So, yeah. Pretty long time ago. It was written by veteran Star Trek writer D.C. Fontana. Eric, where have we heard that name before? Oh, my gosh. She's all over the place. I mean, one of the most revered Star Trek writers of all time. Um, She's done multiple, multiple episodes in multiple, multiple series. And, of course, as we've discussed before, had to refer to herself as DC because to call herself Dorothy would be to reveal that she was a woman and therefore to, to discount, uh, you know, the validity of her most awesome stories. And, and she's just, she's produced so many over the years or had produced so many over the years. It's, it's really incredible. One of the best writers of Star Trek of all time. And she wrote this one. So you guys know it's, it's quality. Uh, this episode is widely regarded as one of the best episodes of the series, and it was nominated for a Daytime Emmy Award. That's pretty cool. Um, a Daytime Emmy Award, but it was a Saturday morning cartoon. Wouldn't that be like Saturday morning Emmy Award, technically? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be really interested to know what the Emmy was for, um, like it was, if it was for writing or if it was for – I, I'm assuming it wasn't for like animation or anything because that wouldn't have been a category back then. No, and the animation for the show was pretty uh, unremarkable. Well, it, so, true, but you know, probably uh, in line with what was you know par for that time. I mean, yeah, for back in the day, it was pretty good. I mean, it's yeah. uh, especially you look at it now that they've all of these episodes. If you're checking it out on Paramount Plus, they've all been 
just gloriously restored. I mean, they look like they were just rolled out of the studio today. I mean, the animation style is a little clunky, but everything was back then. But they look amazing. I mean, really, really, really solid. Yeah, one of they the do. things that I really noticed, Paul, is that uh, so when I used to watch these episodes back on 16 millimeter back at my public library when I was a kid, <laughs> you would you would notice the um, the fact that they would like put the Enterprise on a piece of clear plastic and then they would slide it over the top of another scene and you could see that in the original version you could see <laughs> the two pieces of like transparent plastic sliding That's over one another, you know, cell animation, animation man. Absolutely. And yeah. and you're right. They have like technology has allowed us to kind of go in and like snip out all of the imperfections in that and actually make a, you know, not a bad looking series by today's yeah. standards. And, you know, if you can like check the impulse to, I mean, a lot of times, God almighty, here we are in the 21st century, right? We, we get a little jaded. And so we bring our modern perspective with us when we look at media, right? We're going, oh, look how crude this was or whatever, right? But, but if you can sort of check that at the door a little bit and just appreciate this episode is a great first one for folks to watch, right? Because the writing is so strong. And while there's things about it that may seem clunky to us now, what's amazing is it's really good to remind folks, try to think of any other show ever that was adapted to become an animated version of itself anything right where they got all of the original series cast to come on here okay you've got shatner nichelle nichols james dewin leonard moy everybody is on there and in this episode great example for uh, this, a guest appearance from the character of sarek you know spock's father and they got mark leonard mark leonard right to, to yep. actually voice him that's phenomenal so it's like in, it's really you know a-list stuff when it comes to the voice talent and it, it, it hooks you pretty quick. So definitely uh, exciting stuff. I was a little surprised by uh, that one sound effect for the, uh, the creature that they're battling out there. The standard, I tried, Paul, I researched that for an hour trying to figure out that sound because that's like it's the God standard. Dylan, man. It's like the standard dragon sound for every single 1970s and 1980s. Um, because that's like the uh, original, uh, that's the original sound effect from Toho from Godzilla. Is it really anytime Godzilla? you hear, yeah, anytime you hear Godzilla, that's the Godzilla roar. That, oh, that's what I was wondering too. Totally, totally <laughs> Godzilla when you hear the Lamakia yelling. It's it's hysterical, but uh, but good stuff, man. But uh, yeah, it's it's a terrific. I mean, twenty some odd minutes, right? It's a uh, incredibly short piece of animation but but man dc fontana she really crafted together a tight engaging and kind of emotional story uh there that uh, is just rock solid absolutely and, and i also want to point out to everybody that star trek enterprise paid a lot of love to the animated series because the vulcan city of shakar is actually featured on star trek enterprise which a lot of people don't realize, but yes, it was. So the city that Spock grew up in is now, if it wasn't, is now canonized. And let's not get into the argument of TA, is it canon or is it not? In my opinion, it is. It's got all the original actors. It was written by all the writers. It was produced by Gene Roddenberry. It doesn't get more canon than that. Oh, it's totally but, canon. It's it, crazy it, to say it's not. All it has to you have know. done is be on screen, and it becomes canon. They have declared that many times, and that's the way it is. But you're right, Jim. Oh. This one, you get to see you get to see Shakar, and you get to see it again. And I love it when you get to see it in um, in Enterprise in the Forge because it looks exactly how it looks in the animated series. It's so cool. Like, it's like a pizza. Exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like even the way the trees are laid out and everything is exactly the same, um, which I think is really cool. And, uh, and also, uh, Sarek mentions that um, the Kazwan is on the Vulcan Forge. And what's the name of the episode on Enterprise? The, the Forge. Forge. The Forge, and which is one of the series of three most excellent episodes. And and I also want to point out that on the original Star Trek in um in uh Journey to Babel when when Spock's mother says, Oh, it was his teddy bear and Bones is picking on Spock for his teddy bear and he says, Yes, but this teddy bear had six inch fangs and that's all we knew really about the Salat. That was it. Till this episode came along. We saw the cartoon version, but Eric, what did we see in the Forge? 
Oh, we got to see a real version of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like a, yeah, a more realistic <laughs> version of it. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it was more animated, animated kind of. <laughs> um, and yeah. it was pretty nasty. It was like this thing could tear you apart like Freddy Krueger. It was yeah. a pretty nasty looking creature. It so was. Enterprise yeah. really, they, they did their homework and pulled a lot out of, well, this particular episode, but the animated series in particular which I thought was awesome. So that was cool. So let's talk about the episode, actually, because the episode itself is great. We get to see Carl again. Well, yeah. for the second time. <laughs> I, have not, I have yet to embrace that, man. I don't know if I'm ready to, to commit to that uh, moniker, despite everything great that happens on, uh, uh, on Discovery, just because I know that if, uh, if Harlan Ellison in his grave heard that, reference he would climb out of that coffin and bang you up against the wall i don't think harlan would ever be on board with that because for him it's the guardian right what's everyone talking about well this is kind of the way the episode is this episode is a spiritual sequel not just to journey to babel but also to the city on the edge of forever because the guardian of forever that's right <laughs> aka carl is, Carl. is basically the the through line. It's how this episode begins. They're, they've gone back to the to the city. They've gone back to the the gateway in the Guardian, who has a much more older kind of you know. I'm in the nursing home voice now. It doesn't seem yeah. robust or intimidating as uh, on the original <laughs> series. But you know that's the the framing thing, right? Is they're going back to the to the Guardian to do more research to study history with Federation scientists who look like they popped out of uh, childhood's end and uh, and then something goes wrong and everything no. everything no. is not like it was and now we have an andorian first officer which is pretty freaking cool and <laughs> I just love it I also I want to point out that the 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 bird creature I don't think they ever gave his name they but did the bird creature they, they did, did what was his name well, he's, well, his species name is an Aurelian, and his name is Alik Om. Correct, sir. Federation historian. So that particular character, not that character, but that race, we see them on lower decks, which yep. is really awesome. Which and was an awesome we also, reference. <laughs> we also see someone else on lower decks, which is from the animated series, which we went crazy when we saw that. And actually, oddly enough, somebody at the convention over the weekend brought that up to me, and I was like, oh, my God, I, we, I thought we were the only ones that caught that. And what am I talking about, of course, Eric? We covered it on the podcast. Oh, man, Jimmy just put me on the spot. I'm trying to think. I'm not sure. The 50-foot. The 50 oh, the 50-foot Spock. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So somebody was that at the convention, really? Yeah, someone at the convention we were, was talking about, was talking with me about Star Trek, and brought up Lower Decks and the 50-foot okay. Spock from the Infinite Vulcan. Infinite Vulcan, yeah. And I oh, was like, man. wow. That's, that's so cool, cool because we spent – how many? How long did we spend talking about that when we saw it on Lower Decks? Oh, we had so much fun because, of course, in Lower Decks, you see the, the gigantic skeleton of that 50-foot Spock. And we, we, it's funny because before Lower Decks, over the years, we have mused many times, like, what happened to the Spock clone that was 50 feet tall from the Infinite Vulcan? And, like, did he have a life after that episode? Because, you know, of course, old Star Trek doesn't typically have any consequences necessarily. Like, there's just no uh, lasting things that happen over time. And Lower Decks, thank goodness, went back to it and showed us, uh, yep, there's his skeleton. <laughs> and the fans, at least the fan I was talking to, Noticed it right away and said to me, one of the yeah. things I like about Lower Decks is the 50-foot uh, Spock skeleton. And I was like, oh, my God, there's that reference again. It's so awesome. it's so much fun to talk to fans when about stuff like that. I love it. I'm in my glory when I can be out in public and talk Star Trek with like-minded people. <laughs> it's just absolutely awesome. I'm telling you, it's great. Especially when they bring up something like that. It's even better. So and, and yeah. did you see the pictures of the Jody Whittaker? Yes. Oh my gosh, you got to take your picture with the doctor herself and she looked really good. I loved her uniform. She had the perfect t shirt, oh. the perfect coat, like she looked really good. 
she walked by the table and she was kind of giving me like the stink eye there out of she walked by the and I saw her right away and I was talking to somebody about something and so I, I couldn't interrupt but she walked by and I said to my wife I said Karen I gotta go find uh Doctor Who mm-hmm. and I, I went around and I couldn't find her and I went back to the table and she walked by later on and I said I said Jody <laughs> I need to get a picture with you. And I think she was shy. People get shy. Like they don't want to talk to you Do when you're really? dressed up as a Klingon or something. It's like they're intimidated or something. And, but uh, I mean, she's I walking said, around as Doctor Who, so she's got to expect people are going to engage with her. <laughs> I don't think people knew who she was. And we're talking oh. about a lot here. Okay. But I did. Right. I knew. Right. And yeah. I told her, I, I told her all about you guys introducing me to Doctor Who and that, that, Jodie Whittaker was the first Doctor Who other than Tom Baker. And we watched them all and talked about them all. And, mm-hmm. and she was just fascinated. And she said, well, I got to get a picture taken with the Klingon, but I didn't want to ask you. And I said, well, okay. get on over here. I said, I need to get a picture with Doctor Who for my Facebook page so my, my buddies on the podcast know that I met you. Awesome. <laughs> so awesome. That was really, Maybe really you start cool. needing to wear a twibble on your shoulder to get more convention. Yeah, or yeah. a glomer maybe. You know. Now, well, the thing is, the thing is, David, that he dresses as a Klingon, and we all know that Klingons and Tribbles do not mix. Well, that's no. the point, because you know, now everybody is, you know, uh, kind of like, yeah, you know, in harmony, basically. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe in the future, Tribbles get along with Klingons in the future, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably going to be an episode on Lower Decks, I bet. <laughs> I uh, I had a blast talking about Doctor Who and um, with with uh, with her and getting a picture with her for you guys to put on the Facebook page. So yeah, we talked about the animated series as well and the fifty foot Spock and this episode yesteryear. So getting back to this, we have the Guardian of Forever, who's voiced by Jimmy Doohan, and that's why the voice is different than Carl or the original. And that's Jimmy Doohan. And uh, Spock ends up going back to, um, I forgot, I haven't watched this in a while. Him and, him and Kirk go to a different time era to they study. Never say, they never say they, where, actually. They they, they're they're like, going to look at the history of Orion. They're looking at the rebellion oh, on Orion. Right. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's right. They just sort of and it happens it. to be at the exact time that Spock's cousin, uh, what was his name? Selak? Selak? Selak. Selak. Shows up during the Kazwan and saves Spock's life. Only in this case, Spock couldn't show up and save himself because he was with Kirk studying the Orions, which meant that young Spock dies. And that throws the whole enchilada into a massive Q continuum mix up. Or, you know, mm-hmm. that's what you want. Cubers. The Q-verse. Q-verse, yes, the Q-verse. But as Paul said, Mark Leonard does the voice of Sterek, which is great. And Major Barrett does the voice of Amanda Grayson, who, who we meet in the episode as well. And I also she want also to does, point out to you guys. She also does maybe the voice you, of that one scientist, Jim. Uh, not the Aurelian, but the other one, the woman uh, with the, like, red stripe in her forehead. That All right. She, she also does the voice of that one. So did you guys catch – I'm sure you did, your Trek experts. But did you catch the scene where Spock is getting bullied by the by the Vulcans, and that that scene was pretty much the same scene that we saw in Star Trek 2009? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was one of the awesome things about Star Trek 2009 was they actually referenced a yeah total at callback that, at that time. Yes, a quote Prime Universe thing, uh, but from a Kelvin timeline perspective. So I I always thought that was really cool because it's a nice touch to connect the two. And it was something that we hadn't seen actually uh, outside the animated series anywhere before. Yeah, I thought that was, well, I thought that was pretty cool. I forgot about that until I, I rewatched it. And I said, that reminds me of the scene where Spock gets in the fight with the Vulcans because they say that he's a traitor and his mother's an earther or something like that. And, and it you was know, very it's similar to what they Oh, sorry. Yep. I was just going to say, we also remember how we connected that at the beginning of Discovery uh, to the story of Takuvma, because we also see a very, very, very similar scene at, in Discovery Season 1 showing how 
or sorry, not to Kuzma, uh, Volk, the white uh, skinned one, like how he was like uh, chastised, you know? Uh, oh no, it was to Kuzma. I'm sorry, it was to Kuzma. Yeah, that's right. Yep. In season one, there. Yep. And we. So I thought that was. I thought that was a yeah. cool uh, tie back, a throwback, actually. And of course, we're going to talk about the Lamacha who sounded an awful lot like Godzilla to me. Well, it's just funny. It's like you watch this show, right? And uh, if you watch enough of these episodes, I mean, I think I was even conscious of it as a kid, right? They would use old sound effects from wherever, like you're hearing stuff from, you know, popular TV shows. Of, it was almost like they were in public domain, right? And, it was uh, all over the place. It's so you just like constantly shows. hear familiar sound effects. And uh, yeah, you're watching I mean, other shows later, and you're like, wait a second. That's the sound yeah. from the Bridge of the Enterprise. But it's on <laughs> some other cheesy 70s show because it's like, oh, well, guess what? We're all filming at Paramount, so we own everything, and we're going to just use whatever's convenient because we need it yesterday, right? It's hilarious. Yeah, you, you hear you hear all kinds of different sounds on the animated series, which is yeah. which is also makes it endearing when you're yeah. watching. And it's the same soundtrack, the same twenty minute soundtrack on every single episode. That's great. Well. It's just it's classic. But it fits. It works. It works really well. It's it's somehow in a goofy, charming way. It's it's pretty entertaining. So it absolutely uh, does. It does without a doubt. And uh, listen, guys, we're gonna take another quick break. Uh, but don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. We are the Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. And we're back, and resistance is futile. You guys are listening live. You want to go pick up the phone and dial 646-668-2433 and let us know what you thought about yesteryear. So let's talk a little bit about about it. So we've talked about the kind of the clunky animation, and a lot of people don't like that, but it's very 70s. It's very retro. So that's that's cool. All the original actors are back voicing their themselves, which is also cool. We have a lot of the original writers wrote episodes for the animated series, which is also cool. And this particular um, episode had a lot to do with maybe what's going on in Picard right now, which is kind of why I wanted to pick it, because in this episode, Spock saves himself making the future like a predestined time paradox type of thing. But in this particular case, he's not there to save himself, so he dies, which changes the future. So we get to see what happened from a different point of view, whereas on Picard, we don't exactly know what the change is. We know there was a change. We think we know the change, but do we really? We're not sure. So we're watching the same type of story, but without Carl, with Q instead of Carl, and from a different perspective than in the animated series. But it's a very similar type of story, like like the butterfly effect type of a story. And we've seen that before on Star Trek. So that's, that's nothing unique to Star Trek. But I think what is unique is that we get to see a young Spock. And um, this is the first time that we... I, I believe, and Eric can correct me, but I believe this is the first time that we see someone else other than Leonard Nimoy playing Spock. Remember, this was 1973, so this yeah. was prior. So I think this was the first time someone else was Spock, right? That is absolutely true, yes. Uh, in this episode, we get Billy Simpson playing the young Spock, and he's the first one because uh, we wouldn't get another Spock until... Uh, Star Trek 3, I believe, would be the next one. And then we get a whole bunch of right. Then we get a slew of Spocks. Yeah. So, the, so there was that. It's the first time we get to see another Spock. It would be the second time that we see the Guardian, which is cool. And I think one of the, one of the coolest things is we have an Andorian first officer. And, and... in this particular episode... <laughs> We know for a fact from this episode that the Andorians are part of the Federation for sure because he's the first officer. So there you have yeah. it. I just have to tell you that I think – I personally think Andorians make the absolute perfect first officer. I know the one time that I was able to play the Star Trek Adventures game, I uh, cast myself as an Andorian first officer because – 
not only do they have the kind of discipline, the sort of military discipline sort of um, to, to just execute the plan when the plan needs to be executed, which is what every first officer should do, but they also are on some level approachable. I mean, even Shran in his grumpiness during Enterprise was not a bad guy and he was a person that people could come up and talk to every once in a while. So uh, I just love the fact that we get to see this Andorian in this episode and, and, you know, it's so cool the way that he's introduced because they come back on the transporter and everybody's like, let's talk to your, you know, blah, 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 your first officer. And Thalen walks in the door and he's like, here he is. And you're like, what's going on? <laughs> I love and it. What ever happened to Thalen? I mean, it's, I'm assuming he's still out there somewhere. Well, um, so... So here's the way I I knew we were going to get into alternate timeline discussions here. So here's the way I read it. Uh, I think he's still out there. I think there's a, a whole branch of time, you know, where Thalen is the first officer where Spock did die. And that timeline continues. It's just that our story happens to follow a couple of different timelines in this episode. So it's it's not that the other ones cease to exist because something changes. No. No, uh, it dictates that there uh, are an infinite number of possibilities and therefore an infinite number of universes, and we just happen to get a glimpse into a couple of them during this episode. Though Thalen talked about that, though, in the episode. Well, he did. He said he would cease to exist, but I don't know if I believe it. And he's just he's super <laughs> – it's the thing about it. Like, you know, I'm sorry. Andorians are cool, all right, because – because they ask him about that, right? And he says, well, and they're like, well, listen, if we go through with this, uh, you're going to probably cease to exist, right? And uh, and Thane is just like, well, maybe, but I kind of dig where you're going because what you're doing is about restoring family, and that's part of my thing. So I'm with you, right? He's, he's very zen and cool about it, and it's like he, he does not try to, like, you know – sabotage their mission or something like that. He's just like very, very zen about the whole thing. And so he's he's pretty cool. He does not rattle. I love that guy. And Thaler's yeah. animation style was a little bit different. You notice in this episode that he was a little bit gray uh, compared to your standard uh, like blue Andorian. And it was just due to the way that they colored things back in the TUS days. Um, they had kind of grayish Andorians and the Orions, when they showed them, were sort of, uh, you know, a little bit off, a little more greenish or yellowish. Um, pink tribbles. Maybe he was uh, half pink tribbles. That's right. <laughs> yeah, maybe he was half Enar. There you go. <laughs> That's our head cannon on that one. So, Eric, what about Ichea? Mm, uh, man, Interesting, Ichea. huh? Yeah. So, um, so first of all, I as the as the person with the the, the kind of like uh, soft spot for pets here. Um, and well, actually Paul's got some dogs that I know he loves an awful lot too, but just like the, the tender moments that this office, uh, this episode brings to the table um, with Achaya, of course, defending Spock. Uh, and then, you know, later on, not, not making it out. Uh, just absolutely heartwarming. But what I always thought was really interesting was that DC Fontana actually based um, Aichaya on uh, her cat. Um, she, had, she had a cat named Bobby McGee, which, of course, was a reference to the song Me and Bobby McGee. Um, and she explained at once, uh, I've got a quote here. She says, as to who and what Aichaya would be, as a character, I decided he would be closely patterned on my large cat, Bobby McGee. While Bobby is not old and fat, he has the same affection, snuggle ability, the fastest claws in the West, and complete disregard for orders. One word from me, and he does exactly as he pleases. The statement fits both Bobby <laughs> and Aichaya. <laughs> sounds like a cat. Yeah, like that sounds like grudge. Sounds like AJ, actually. <laughs> so, so Aichaya is a is a cat of some kind, but kind of looks like a teddy bear too. And I'm telling you, man, I watched this episode yesterday, and I've seen it. I mean, I don't even know how many times I've seen this episode, and every single time, it 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 just like almost brings a tear to my eye, you know, um, because it's so, it's so well written, like. There are no words in the script here that are errant. 
they are all necessary. They are all exactly like leading to um, certain like climax points in the arc of the story. And Achaya's death to me is just one of the most tender and like loving moments in all of Star Trek. And it's too bad that so many people haven't seen it because so many people just kind of go, ah, animated series, whatever. And, uh, you know, if we haven't talked it up enough, you got to watch this episode, guys. This scene in particular is one of the tops. Yeah, it's great. Well, and, you know, go ahead. If you've Jim, had ahead. a dog, if you've ever had a dog and you've had to put the dog down, yeah. When my dog Tippy, when I had to put my dog, my first dog Tippy down, um, I, I was just, I was bawling. I just, I was, I lost it. I couldn't, I would, I, it, I was distraught. I was like, there's no words for it because your dog is like, it's a, like a part of you. They're like your best friend. They're like part of your family. I mean, Emma's laying here right now next to me doing the podcast. She's always with me. <laughs> and when that, when, when that connection is broken, it's an intense thing. And I think what makes it so intense is that, you have to break it. It's not like it's not like a parent passing away. It's like you making the decision to 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 put the 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 pet down for their own good, and it's it is heart wrenching. Yeah, I so mean that's I, one of the things know. that really uh, that really spoke to audiences when this move when this uh, episode came out was because the way it's written, Aichaya is badly wounded, right? Because defending young Spock from the, the monster out in the desert. And they have to get the healer, and the healer's like, you know, I'm sorry, man. It's too late. There's nothing we can do. But the decision about what to do, either to sustain the animal's life, where it might be suffering, or to, to peaceably, you know, euthanize it, that falls on young Spock. He's yeah. seven years old, right? Yeah. And he's got to make that decision. And people wrote in, parents wrote in to NBC at the time praising them for saying, wow, thank you for dealing with this topic because it really helped with our own son when we had pet loss in our, in our family. So it's, it's, it really resonated for folks. And I would say that, that the decision Spock makes to have to do that is a way bigger test of his maturity than the whole, you know, Cosuan uh, ordeal. That's his cause one ordeal is having to make that choice about uh, Aichaya. And it's really funny with Aichaya, right? Is I, I was reading the thing with uh, DC Fontana and in the script notes, it was originally pronounced, uh, you know, phonetically spelled out as Ichaya, right? And that's how they wanted everyone to say it. But when they were doing the uh, auditions, right, to try to fire, you know, figure out, do the casting, right? And they did the recording for the little boy, right for billy simpson right he came in and he did it and they liked his audition right so in his audition he says aichaya and when they went into production they decided they liked what they had and the director decided to use the audition recording and they so everybody else had to change their thing around that they're like rather than bring back this kid we've got a good audition we'll just use that and so huh. <laughs> it's funny but that's how it worked out and you know something else that I that I think shines in this episode for me in particular is that the uh, prime Spock, old Spock, uh, actually Selick. he says that in in this particular time frame, Aichaya didn't die, and this time he did. And when young Spock goes across the desert to get the healer, what does Mister Spock do? I know Mister Spock. Uh, he, says it won't, he says, yeah, well, he says he it won't be long now, my friend. And he says, I, I, I can help remove the pain. And he mind melds Aichaya so that he, he isn't in pain. And that, that's a very Spock thing to do because Spock has done that. Or did he? Yes. He that tapped Kirk on another occasion on the original series. So I thought I that thought really. Spock, I thought he Spock pinched the animal, not mind melded with him. No, he Spock pinched the uh, the one that attacked, not the Lamaki. Yeah, the, the Lamaki. The Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, let's let's see. All right, we got some time. So basically, um, 
and let's that's usually we get to hear from the fans, but because we don't get to post this on the Facebook page, um, we'll hear what the critics had to say. So in 2013, the Guardian recommended this episode as one of the best six Star Trek episodes out of all the episodes of the franchise up to that time, which at this point would have only been TOS and the animated series. Uh, uh, no, 2000, no, 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 no. 2013 would have included all of TNG and all of DS9 and all of Voyager. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And also, so, oh, yeah. And, well, yeah, and, and Enterprise came out in 2004. So that's a bold statement. That's a pretty big statement. That the, the Yeah. In 2016, the Hollywood Reporter rated yesteryear as the 59th best Star Trek episode, period. And how many episodes? Uh, Jesus. Um, Well, now we're past 800, but at the time we would have been like 750-something. So that's pretty high praise right there, Yeah, you're talking top, top 8%, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not, not to shake a stick at, at all. And uh, the sci-fi ranked yesteryear as the 15th best travel plot in Star Trek (laughs) up to 2016. I have to tell you, I think it's, I personally think it's better than 15th best time travel because there's some bad time travel episodes out there. (laughs) Yeah, there are. And uh, last but not least, in 2018, Star Trek The Binge Watching Guide by Denim Peaks recommended this episode as part of the foundations of Star Trek. Agreed. That's pretty high praise. So, well, we've heard what the critics thought about it. We talked a little bit about it. So, David, what are your thoughts on yesteryear? Recommend it for um, people to watch? Right? Yeah. Um, I actually got a little bit of a background for what happened to Phelan. Um, I was looking on Alpha, Memory Alpha, and uh, turned out that he might have actually had a an Eno parent. That's why his skin was all different colored. Um, also, he was voiced by James Duhon. I didn't know if that was something that we brought up at all, but I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, and the, and the thing about his color is more of like a, you know, headcanon situation. I don't think that was ever talked about anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah no, I, this episode in particular, it, it had a solid beginning to end. I actually pretty, uh, actually liked it pretty well. Um, the idea of going back in time to fix things always seems to, from in my opinion, always seems to have like some sort of happy ending, which Star Trek always seems to do. But you know, <laughs> uh, other than that, the episode, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, are we scoring it at all? or? Yeah, sure, absolutely. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. All right, well, let's see. I'm going to give this one an 8. 8? Excellent. Excellent. How about you, Paul? What do you think? Yesteryear. Yay, I think it's, yay, I think nay, it's fantastic. Yeah, and I, I really, I mean, we've kind of kept this theme going pretty uh, vividly, but it really is. Uh, people should give this series a shot if they haven't checked it out there's a lot of different things on here that uh you know people tend to are old school original series fans everybody always is like oh it's such a bummer that there are only three episodes three seasons right and we didn't get the fourth and fifth season like we always hoped they would five-year mission right people always bemoaning it was canceled too early well you know you've got the same voice cast with the exception of Chekhov on this uh, show and so it's almost like an extra bonus you know, Easter egg season that never was. It's just they they could kind of push the boundaries of what was possible a little bit more because they were unfettered with animation. They could do crazier stuff and have wilder aliens uh, and, you know, a little bit more of a vista to the way the stories are told with bigger things, uh, in, including bigger Spock, uh, than was possible during the way to do live action production of 1973. There was no computer generated anything back then. It was an analog world friends. And so it really is kind of, I think should be looked at as kind of a, a missing bonus season of the original series. Um, I just want to throw out too, if there's listeners at all who are a fan of the animated series, um, be sure guys to check out a really terrific 
a book that's a guide to the animated series by Aaron Harvey and Rich uh, Shapis. It is phenomenal labor of love that is just full of behind the scenes stuff and great stories with the folks involved and guides to the episodes. It's a, it's a really great uh, companion piece for your Star Trek library. Definitely check it out. But uh, it gets a 10 from me, fellas. Uh, this is what Star Trek should be all about. This kind of storytelling, it rocks hard. And I, I remember hearing a little uh, a little trivia thing about Leonard Nimoy. When they were going to do the animated series, they weren't going to bring back all of the original cast because they wanted to do it as cheap as they could, and they didn't want to have to pay the actors for their voices. And so Leonard Nimoy said, hey, hey, I'm not doing it if the rest of the cast doesn't come back and do it. Ain't going to happen. So he actually put himself on the line for the rest of the cast and they ended up getting everybody back except for Walter. And I don't remember the reason why Walter, I, it escapes me right now, but they did make an agreement with Walter and they said, okay, well, we're not going to have you in the series, but, yeah. but we are going to have you write an episode, which yeah. he did. That's right. And the episode, of course, oddly enough, is the one that we were talking about, the Infinite yeah, Vulcan. Yeah. And uh, in the episode, there's the there's this little plant that has uh, roots for legs that pulls the roots out, walks to a new location, and burrows back into the ground. And the yeah. name of that plant was the Retwa plant, which is Walter spelled backwards. Backwards. So that's hmm. the agreement they made with Walter. And he wasn't going to be on the show, but we want a script, and we're going to name a plant after you, which they did. So none of that would have happened if it wasn't for Leonard Nimoy standing up and saying, no, I won't do it if the rest of my cast isn't included. Imagine Star Trek, the animated series, without the voices of the original cast. Would it be the same? No. Or wouldn't it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the big three were the most important. You know, as long as you got the big three, uh, you're gonna you're gonna be okay. It was nice to get most of the rest of the cast. The official story on Walter Koenig is that they couldn't afford to get everybody, and so they just chose somebody to jettison. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, I don't know why uh, they chose him. I'm sure that's in one of these books uh, out there that uh, is beyond. But what it did afford us is something that Paul was talking about, which was a different uh, gentleman up front, Eric's, a nice three-armed, you know, red-faced alien of uh, completely somebody who we had not seen before at all, an alien species we hadn't seen before. And, you know, he's he's not extremely involved in the animated series. He comes in every now and then. But uh, it was nice to kind of see him as uh, as an alternative since we, we couldn't get uh, Chekhov on the bridge. Oh, not only and him, he, though. What about Lieutenant Moretz? Oh, uh, yeah, she's awesome, too. And I have to tell you that as a Star Trek Attack Wing player, uh, WizKids <laughs> has, kept, has kept it up, and David knows what I'm talking about. Both Eric <laughs> and Emrest have really, really good cards. Um, I, I think David is a big fan of the Emrest one, right? Isn't that the, like, get a battle station? Yeah, I, really I used to play that card a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a couple of, like, WizKids is paying attention to animated series stuff these days, too, and putting out cards that are really, really good related to those two characters. You know, last week, uh, Trek Talk, and Jim was talking about the Hallmark ornaments, right? Because was, they just released pictures of what the new wave's coming out is. A couple of years ago, it was like a Comic-Con exclusive, they did an Hallmark ornaments of Eric's and Emrest together. It is the most sought-after thing you could mm. ever imagine. It is like impossible to find and commands big bucks. So if you ever see one of those animated fans, Snatch it up. nab it. Yeah, don't let that, don't sleep on it. It is phenomenal uh, testimony to uh, how many fans are so high on this show. And I don't want to keep touting Lower Decks, but we did see... A uh, what was his rate? We did see the three armed Lieutenant Eric's on lower decks. I don't think it was the yeah. same character, no. Eric. Was it? No, I don't think no, it was. In, no, he's an Adosian, and uh, he's no, it wasn't the same character. 
but but uh, we do yeah, see one race. on lower decks, which was yep. pretty cool. Yeah. So Eric, that brings us right around to you. What What are your final thoughts on yesteryear? Oh and what are you my gosh! Give you it guys. on a scale of one to ten. Well, if if I ranked like all of the episodes, I've seen every single episode of Star Trek multiple times. I've done a couple of, of watch throughs, and of course, there's the 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 ones here and there that we've all seen dozens and dozens of times over and over again. And I have to tell you that yesteryear for me fits into that category. I first saw this episode back when I was just a little guy uh, watching it on 16 millimeter film at my public library in the children's department. I probably saw it a dozen times there. Uh, didn't see it for, you know, probably 20, 25 years, 30 years, who knows, until streaming services made it possible to watch again. Thank goodness, uh, because I've probably seen it another dozen times since then. I'm 100% with Paul on this one. This this puppy is a 10. This is as good as the animated series gets. It's as good as a lot of Star Trek gets. Preach uh, it, brother. It, yeah, and it talks... And, it, and it's cool because um, it kind of like plays with that idea of predestination versus like free choice also, which I think is always a very interesting topic. Like was Spock destined to become Selick to save himself in the past? And if he didn't, does it throw the whole universe out of whack? Like, you know, and that all is actually based on your perspective. That's a very Einsteinian thing. So to me, it's, this is like, hard sci-fi even when you get into the philosophy of it which is just another layer of why i love it and then and then to top it all off you add the tenderness and the love of the celet um uh uh this animal that i all of a sudden just lost the name of <laughs> I Aishaya. Aishaya. um and and that should to me like so you've got the science you've got the heart uh, you've got the message, you've got the idic, you've got that boy and his adult self, and it's just like this is as good as it gets, man. This is an absolute ten in terms of Star Trek for me. Yeah, absolutely, I agree completely. And um, yeah, there's nothing left to say. You guys pretty much covered it all. I I give this one a ten, all the way. You've got to watch it if you haven't seen it. Watch it. Um, honorable mentions for the animated series. Um, are of course more troubles, more tribbles. Great episode, pink tribbles, which is weird, but yeah, yeah. They're, they're pink. Um, introduces the glomer, so you got to check that out if you haven't seen it. And we've already mentioned yeah. it, but I'm going to mention it again: the Infinite Vulcan. I think another must see for the animated forget, series. So yeah, don't forget the slaver weapon. That's the Harry Niven, or not Harry? Uh, uh, I forget his first name, but the writer Niven. Uh, Larry Niven. Larry, Larry, uh, yeah. Ringworld. Yeah, the, the whole, like, connection with the Gazinti and that whole thing. That's super cool to see as well. And the voice yeah. cast is just amazing, because when they have, like, guest stars, right, they bring back the original actors who cost money, right, who did the original characters, like Harry Mudd and Cyrano Jones, characters mm-hmm. like that, to sort of do sequel episodes to the original series show, and they get those original actors on there. So it really feels like classic Star Trek, like very few things do. So it's 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 good stuff and uh, very entertaining. I got nothing but fondness watching these again after a long time. They they they're really great. So check them out, friends. They're only yeah, basically saying that Star Trek went on for five seasons. Yep, five years. I think it's yep. a good way to think about it. Yep. Yep. They're only twenty-two minutes long, so you could binge the the the, the whole animated series. You know, on a Saturday afternoon, it's no big deal. <laughs> um, so check it out. I think you'll definitely be surprised. Um, I want to let you guys know that we're going to be back on Thursday night with Trek Talk, another excellent episode of Trek Talking. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard Mercy, which was Thursday night's episode. We're going to talk about that. And is Section 31 coming to the silver screen? You'll have to tune in Thursday and find out. <laughs> and we also have our convention calendar and our birthdays and a whole bunch of fun. So you want to tune in Thursday night at 7.30 for Trek Talking. And make sure you visit us on our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. So before we say goodnight, I want to say thank you so much to David for hanging out and Trek Talking with us and talking about yesteryear from the animated series with us. Thank you, David. 
You're welcome. I'll be seeing you yesterday Thursday. On Thursday, that's right. Trek Talking Thursday, the best day of the week. We got new Star Trek and Trek Talking. And, of course, thank you so much to Paul for hanging out and Trek Talking with us. Thank you, Paul. Live long and prosper, my friend. See, there's so much more to you than just wine. You're so much more than the wine guy. <laughs> See? Multi, you're like an onion with layers. <laughs> when do we start talking about toys, baby? <laughs> you want layers? We'll go really deep. <laughs> Lots of layers. And, of course, we, we would never think of doing the show without Eric. So thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight, Eric. Uh, I can't think of a group of guys I would rather hang out and talk about Trek with. So thanks, guys. And, of course, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying stay safe and be good to each other. Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe that. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Night, y'all. Good night. Be well. Let's see what's out there. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.